Welcome back to On Your Truth. I am Brianna Lynette. I am the owner of Humble Reproductions. And if you're watching this for the first time, this is one of the things that we do. We air the Own Your Truth podcast once a week. I encourage everyone to get on www.humblebree.com to see all of the, the studio work that we do, the shows that we have every week, and the services and products that we provide. Today on my show, this is actually pretty exciting for me and actually a little nerve-wracking and I'm a little nervous just because today we're talking about my hometown of Topeka, Kansas. And um, there's there's kind of a, I don't know, maybe a love-hate relationship between me and that town. Um, but today we are bringing on Michael Adupatan. Did I say that correct? No, Adupatan. Yes. Is that right? Adupatan. Um, Michael is a brave soul. Yeah, Michael is a brave soul, um, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But I'd like to give a little bit of history about Kansas in general. Um, Kansas is not known for being the land of equal equality and understanding. Uh, we were called Bleeding Kansas in the 1850s because there was a gigantic divide between those individuals who wanted slavery in the state and those who did not. And this was the precedent, actually, the precedent for what became the Civil War. And through several years in the 1850s, this continued back and forth, back and forth, and many people lost their lives. Um, in some accounts, more than 60 people. So in 1850s, that happened. In the 1950s, we had Brown versus the Board of Education where the federal judicial system had to get involved because of segregation in schools. And it ruled that even if on the state level they wanted it, they could not have segregation in schools, that it was unlawful. So we're going to fast forward. You know, there was a 100 years difference between the 1850s and 1950s. And here we are today. Today, it is 2022. And since the time of Brown versus the Board of Education, and that was specifically for what is now known as Topeka, Topeka High School or Topeka High School District, right? Mm -hmm. Since that, from that time to now, I can tell you, having been in that, that town, born there, raised there, lived there until the year 2000, right? Finally left after that, I can tell you that Topeka is very, very, very divided. At least it was when I left. Um, the the mi minorities of all kinds, but especially African Americans, were pushed out of everything political. And the city itself was still very, very, very segregated. And we would keep track of your status by which school district you lived in, mm. okay? Now, I have lived in different parts of Topeka. I ended up at the north end during my high school years. So this was probably four or five years of my existence was in that part of town. And North Topeka is known as one of the wealthier parts of Topeka, okay? 
our school district was very well funded and it was because we had more tax money in that area. We weren't in city limits, we were in the county. So Shawnee County governs that area and Shawnee County had money because Shawnee County residents had money. And if you were of a minority race, especially the African-American culture, and you did not want to raise your children in poverty, if you did not want to raise them around the Topeka gangs and the crime, you moved out of those areas and tried to find places where you were at least marginally accepted, like North Topeka. And I graduated in a pretty good size class, right? Four, 500 students, I don't even know. We had three students that had any kind of African American heritage. And I know that that was difficult for them to grow up in that culture because they were the minority, largely so. They were completely outnumbered. Uh, And I don't know how difficult it was for them to make friends. I do know that I was friends with all of them, but I don't know if they really dealt a lot with discrimination regarding their race. But I know it can't be easy growing up in an environment where no one looks like you. Their culture is different. Their understanding of life is different. And you come in and you have to acclimate to all of that. I also know that at least one of them has told me that he had difficulty when he left. He moved out of state, clear over to the East Coast. And when he got there, he didn't fit in. He didn't fit in with minorities. He didn't fit in with African-Americans because what had happened was he had, in a way, lost a lot of his heritage, lost his ability to relate to other people outside of the white community, so to speak. And so uh, we talked a little bit, um, Michael and I, but before we did recordings about how that kind of is a gentrification of the mind. It changes who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and you hear a lot of things of, oh, well, you're not black or you're not black enough or you just talk white. And there's this disconnect in the cultures. So what we really need is a way to harness the integration and not just an acceptance, not just I see you and you can sit at my table, but no, I accept you. I want you here. I want to hear about your culture. I want to hear about how you feel. I want your opinion. You are valuable, Mm -hmm. right? How do we get to that point when there has been so much separation, so much divide? In fact, there has never, to my knowledge, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong and look it up in the historical records of of Topeka, but to my knowledge, we have never, until now, had anybody of African-American descent represented in any voted in political party or house related to Topeka, Kansas, right? Um, And there are parts of Topeka that African-Americans just don't feel comfortable in anymore because they have been pushed out. 
And this is a little bit of a side note and not about Topeka itself, but Kansas in itself. There are places where minorities are still not welcome. They will get driven out of town. There are places that, unfortunately, and as crazy as it may seem, people go missing and they are never heard from again. This is still happening in America and it needs to end. So today, my guest, my new friend, uh, Michael Opatan, is going to talk to us today a little bit about his relationship with Topeka. Because Michael has done something that no one in the history of Topeka has yet been able to do successfully. Michael has opened up a group called Omni Circle. And Omni Circle is a nonprofit organization that helps bring back the idea, the concept of integration, which would help promote equality throughout the board. So now that I've completely taken the spotlight, <laughs> I'd like to introduce Michael. Um, Michael is originally from Florida, but he moved to uh, Topeka, Kansas, and became a college student there at Washburn University, moved back home to Florida for a stint, and decided he wanted to come back to Topeka to make a difference. Michael, welcome to Own Your Truth. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Thank you for the introduction. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Good. Can you tell us a little bit about why you decided that Topeka was going to be the place for you to make a difference? Well, like you said, um, coming to Topeka as a young kid, 18, 19 years old, um, I had a very different perception of what um, the world was, the one that I was living in prior to coming to Kansas. Um, being from West Palm Beach, it was a melting pot of people. Um, so I never really felt the pressures of being a black man um, until I really came to Topeka, Kansas. Um, when I got here to Washburn in 2002, um, there were very few minorities, you know, especially African-American kids other than the ones that were playing sports. Um, and I never really even knew at that time that there were very many black people in Topeka because Washburn did a really good job of keeping us on campus. So. Um, but I learned a lot um, while I was here um, during that time in school about different cultures, um, different perceptions of how people view the world. Um, and it changed me. It changed the way that I thought. It changed the way I saw the, the world myself. Um, and then I transitioned out, out of college and went through a process of, you know, continuing to expand and really understanding people um, at this point where, you know, having a background of social work and, you know, diving into psychology and understanding the mind and how people are created. And one of the things I learned was that, you know, it's really all about, you know, our experiences, our education and our environments that we grow up in that creates our perception of the world. And I learned in my time at Washburn and being in Kansas that people have very different upbringings than me. And I needed to understand those upbringings to understand the people that I was working with day to day and people that I was developing friendships with. But in that time, I also realized that that was keeping, um, that was creating a divide uh, for a lot of people that didn't understand that. 
So at one point, you know, I decided to live, move away from here um, and explore the world and saw some different things and realized that the issues that we were dealing with in Topeka were bigger than just Topeka. Um, there were issues that were happening across the country um, in the height of like police brutality um, during our time. And I wanted to be able to make a difference. And I decided to make Topeka the place where I wanted to make a difference because Topeka had a huge impact on who I am and who I was becoming. Um, so I felt like to be able to be a change, to make a change and make an impact in this world, Topeka was going to be the place I was going to do that. Right. Well, that's amazing. And I do stand corrected. I told everyone that I left in 2000. It was actually 2002. So you were coming in and I was leaving. I ended up going to um, Kansas City. Uh, I just had twins and my then husband and I mm -hmm. were creating a life there. Uh, he got a job, so we relocated. But I, I just think that the timeline is interesting. Um, and I want to know, and I'm sure everyone else wants to know too, what are you doing? You know, I, I have, a, and this is the other thing too, I want everyone to know, you have a website, it's called omnicircle.org, correct? Omnicirclegroup.org. Okay, omnicirclegroup.org. And I was just on there um, this morning looking at that again. Mm -hmm. um, but you have on there that there are three different levels to what you are trying to do. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so in that time, talking about where I started in this community and just understanding perceptions. Um, really, it really started when I was in college and um, I picked up a book called The Empire of Illusion um, by Chris Hudges. And he talked about how life can be an illusion based off your perception, um, based off the one that you can be conditioned to believe. Um, and, you know, you can live in a, a world that's not real based off false you know, um, false education based on what you see on TV and stuff like that. Um, so then going to school, uh, working again to get my degree in social, in social, uh, I'm sorry, social work and, uh, dive, diving into psychology. And then I ran across this thing called the allegory of the cave that really helped me understand, um, how people view the world. And if you are familiar with the allegory of the cave, it talks about how, you know, you have these people that's in the cave and they're looking at these false illusions, but they've never really seen the light of day to really know what the real world really looks like. I felt like I was that kid. Like I came here with these false illusions. Everybody told me I had to play football and basketball in order to be successful. No one ever really showed me about the realities of life as far as becoming and gaining a career um, and working or even becoming an entrepreneur. Um, but, but Topeka really opened my eyes to those things and my networks with people opened my eyes to those things. So then I ran across in, in those studies, um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And when you think about Maslow's hierarchy is three phases to the, to the needs. There's uh, basic needs, um, there's psychological needs, and then there's self-fulfillment, which is when you find your purpose. Um, so we, as an organization, um, and this is Maslow's is the theory of human motivation. It's not um, one person or one culture. It's all people. So um, using that theory, um, we are trying to help people become the best version of themselves um, and reach their highest level of success that they desire, whether whatever their dreams are. 
but then living in the consciousness to be able to get there. So we use those three phases um, in our organization to help people at every level. Um, to, so in order to get to your purpose, you have to have each level met first to get to that self-actualization. So we've created a program that has this pipeline of growth where we're moving by helping people on the basic level by doing community um, engagement and development. Um, on our second level is our um, what we call our collaboration phase, which we do a lot of personal development for the psychological needs. Um, and then our final phase is our creation phase, which is uh, where we help people who are ready to create and find their purpose or find a better job. And we do a little bit of our what we call a startup community to help entrepreneurs. So it's really a space where we're building people up from what we say survival to creation. We want to take people from wherever they are in life, um, whether you are maybe in survival mode and not know it. I was in survival mode when I came here. I'm sure all of us college students have been in survival mode at some point. Um, but, you know, you have to learn some principles and some things to get you to the next level. And that's what we're doing with this organization. Right. Well, I think that's wonderful. Uh, I want to touch a little bit on some of the the milestones, but first, I, I'm listening to to what you're saying, and I'm I'm just thinking the most difficult step was probably the first one. You know, getting your foot in the door, uh, opening that dialogue, um, creating that that basis where people trust you and what you're trying to do. I know there's a lot of distrust in Topeka. Oh my gosh, there's so much distrust. Everybody is so skeptical. Um, so getting getting your foot in the door and opening those lines of communication must have been difficult. How did you break through that? Well, I mean, just like anything else, you need community. And that's where it really started. And, you know, when I left Topeka in 2015, like you, I migrated to Kansas City. And I was looking for community. Um, I was looking for expansion. Um, but I had a hard time trying to connect with the community in Kansas City because, I was living in Olathe trying to do work downtown um, for the minority communities that needed the help. Um, but it just didn't work because I wasn't of the community. So um, I ended up moving to Tulsa. Um, same thing, not being from Tulsa. There's a lot of people doing some work in Tulsa, but being an outsider um, didn't offer me a lot of opportunity in that space. Coming back to Topeka, um, I already had a community. I had a group of friends that I went to school with, um, and those were the people that helped me start this organization. We got together, we put you know our minds together, our heads together on what we were going to do as far as um, providing for the community, which is where we started um, on that basic needs level. Uh, we did our first event, which was a backpack giveaway that we called a Back to School Bash, and um, you know, we gave away 500, I'm sorry, like 200 to 300 backpacks, but like 500 people showed up and this was our very first event. And, but that's because we had community to do it. And then, um, shortly after, I think what really helped us during that time was the basis of this community was built on, you know, what was going on around the world in 2015 with the police brutality. And then we had George Floyd in 2020 and then that was, I think, the boost to helping the organization build what it was building because I think people were looking for a place. Um, they were looking for community. Um, a lot of our members were looking at that time to give back to the community. 
Um, so that helped us rally and we did a lot in the community to give back in a lot of different ways. So um, I think that was the, the really the key. Um, and then the nation also, you know, people were looking for ways to unite people again, um, to get people back together due to what happened with George Floyd. And um, I think that was the reason why this organization was able to uh, build those relationships with the community and people outside of the community that we were really trying to help. So, um, yeah, I think that was the biggest boost for us getting started. That's amazing. Um, I, when I was looking at your website, you've got a lot of really great pictures on there. And one of them is you and a bunch of your, your crew, right, on, this, on some stairs, and you're all, like, dressed the same it's a good-looking group. I'm going to assume that some of those are your classmates. Um, do you, many of them lit, were many of them native to that area, or were most of them transplants? Um, a little bit of both. I think um, a lot of the friends that I came here with in college were people that were recruited in to play football, um, but we also built friends in the community, and I think we had a little bit of both between um, people that were transplants to Topeka and also people from Topeka. Um, that wanted to make a difference. So um, we had a little bit of both as we transitioned, but I think as we continue to grow, um, we're seeing it from all angles. We're seeing people from Topeka. Um, it took a little bit more time for, I think, really, as you talked about earlier, um, the trust factor um, on what was being built. Uh, people wanted to know if we were really real, if we were really going to stay here. I heard those questions of if he was just going to be here to build a name for itself and take it somewhere else. And, you know, I really feel like I'm committed to Topeka. Like, I don't, you know, there's, there's not a lot of places that I felt like I wanted to be. I could have went anywhere else I wanted to go, but Topeka was the place. So we had to build some relationships to show people. And I think we're still doing that. Um, I think that there was a space where people that were transplants to Topeka were more, a little bit more open to receiving um, what we were building because they've seen it outside of Topeka. Um, and like you said, um, I don't know if we were, we were the first ever to do what we're doing because looking at the history of Topeka, Topeka has some great things going on. Um, you know, before when you when you think about Fourth Street and um, different movements that were happening in this community, but those things have been, um, you know, we talk about it. The city talks about it a lot about urban renewal and how those things were, you know, taken away from the African American community. So I think that we, we're really just trying to build a space where we revitalize a lot of that. But um, now that we're doing that, I think it's it's becoming more um, people are raising their awareness around what we're doing because the organization is coming to life more and it's getting to the place where we truly want to be. And that's taking us time, you know, but I think the, once we get to the place where we really want to be and everything is operational like it's supposed to, I think it'll make more sense. And I'm a true believer that, you know, it's kind of like the field of dreams. If you build it, they'll come. Um, but we just have to continue to build it so that people understand what our mission and vision is for this community. Right. Well, and I can tell you a little bit that distrust actually started a lot with the politicians in that area. Uh, anything that has ever been good that has come into Topeka, if it wasn't part of the political agenda, it was gotten rid of. Um, and you'll, you'll hear people talk about this too. You may even know this because you have friends that played ball, right? If we get any kind of a great sports team there, one of the first things that happens is it's sold to someplace else. You know, we don't keep anything good. 
in Topeka. That's kind of the motto. Mm. And so people have come to expect that. Good things don't last. And we, we've learned that because of, of history in Topeka. Anything good leaves because there's no support from the politicians. There's no support from the higher ups. And you have to scrape and claw and grind your way through to try to make that progress. So I'm really, really grateful that there is a group of you banding to to do this work because like you said, you need that sense of community. There isn't one person alone that can do this work because you're gonna be shut down. And before you and I decided to press play, you and I had another conversation and you were talking to me about a building that you guys have obtained and trying to get some funding. And the bank had a problem because there was no precedent. There was no comparables for an organization of minorities in the history of Topeka. They've all failed or closed down. So I wanted to put, put that out there too, is that even though you're saying that we're, there were other things going on, that is absolutely true. But none of them have been able to survive the, the policies, whether they're written or not, yeah. right? Of, of how things are structured in that town. Um, and I, I would like to bring to light the fact that you guys work on political issues as well. Um, you mentioned that you're able to get a few people on, I think it was the city council, is that correct? Not actually getting anybody to city council. Um, we've actually done some work with just trying to raise awareness around politics. Um, as we talk about, you know, when we look at the landscape in this community um, and, you know, the transfer of powers, right? Like, you have to have a voice in politics. And one, not only just have a voice, but you have to be aware of what's going on in politics. And I believe that, you know, part of the work that we were doing to get that out there was trying to just raise awareness. Hey, this is what's going on in your city. These are the seats that are coming up. Um, this is how you get, you know, in place to be able to have a voice. So we had a few people and not us necessarily working with the organization, but we had members of the community um, that took that leap this year. Um, we're actually running for city council. Um, unfortunately, um, none of them um, won the seat this year, but I think that will could be the spark to now, you know, more minorities, more African-Americans attempting and as we talk about raising awareness to why it's important that we get people involved so yeah i think that there's um into what some of the things that you said as far as you know getting to this place of um you know to support um we have had a lot of support on both sides um as we've built this organization and as we continue to build this organization and that's one of the things i think has been a shift um, was one of the reasons why I came back, you know, seeing people in this community that were open to, you know, a vision of what I had from coming from nothing um, to be able to work with certain people in this community, you know, investors on both sides um, to say, hey, we want to be able to help you get to, you know, purchase that building. Hey, we want to be able to allow you to have your voice and a seat at the table to be able to express your vision, to be able to, you know, tell people what you're trying to do. And I'm learning, you know, just in the seat of transparency that um, 
I don't know if those doors are always there. You know, um, I don't like we talked about. I don't know if there was always a space for um, people to have a place at the table to express themselves and express their vision and people to actually believe in the vision and seeing them actually achieve it. But I also feel on the other end that there's also some work um, to understand what goes into building a business um, that can be sustainable. Um, and, and we can, I mean, we can go back and forth as far as like what is systemic and then what is preparation. And I think there's a little bit of both, to be honest with you. And I'm learning myself as I transition into building this business is that there are requirements that you need. And that's for all people, right? To be able to get certain amounts of money that you desire. But there also are things out there that are preventing people from getting that money, you know? So I think that we have to understand, um, you know, as we put things in place and we advocate for the growth of communities, um, I always say that there's a little bit of both. There's there's knowledge, um, then there's also the experience of, and then as we gain the wisdom, the wisdom from the two, um, we learn how to do it better. But one of the things I keep I, I tell our community that I'm really proud of is that we stand on our we stand on the backs of our community. Um, this com- this organization was really built for people to take responsibility for their own communities and not waiting for somebody to give them a handout. And that comes from people investing in their own community. Like the day that we start to invest in our own, and not just African-Americans, but all people. If we want to see all people get better, we invest in those who need the help the most. And that can come from our own dollars, right? We don't have to wait for someone to, you know, get a loan from a bank or, you know, wait for a government assistance in some form of a grant. There's enough people in the community that can invest a small amount of money that will allow them to make huge impacts in our community if we just choose. Um, But that's a choice that we have to make. And um, I'm glad that we have people in our community that are continuously making that choice. We've started this organization in 2019 and from that time up until this year, um, we actually received, well, well, it, till end of last year, we received our first grant last year. Everything that, everything else that we've done in the community came out of the pockets of myself and our members in this community. So I'm super proud of the work that we've been doing and we want to continue to do that work. But and then again, in order for us to elevate, we're going to need some additional support to be able to help more people on a larger scale. And that's what we're looking for now in the next, the next transition of our organization. Yeah, I would agree. And I think, you know, to speak on the fact of you, you believe that people are a little bit more open now than maybe they've been in the past. I think a lot of that comes from people are tired of the way things have been, you know, that there's that expression, you don't shit where you eat. Well, what happens when you wake up one day and realize you've been betting in the pigsty? You know, and, and it's been happening for generations. And it's because that people have put up those those walls. Um, systemically, you see bits of, of Topeka falling apart and yeah. nobody wanted to do anything. And then suddenly everyone's interested in revamping the downtown. And, and that was a big deal. But as far as the racial divide goes, I think a lot Mm -hmm. of that has broken down over the past several decades due to the fact that interracial relationships are more accepted now. I remember going to school and it was not okay for me to date a black man. It was not. 
Um, in fact, and this is putting myself way out there, but um, I got in trouble in kindergarten. I was five years old because this little boy and I got caught kissing. But we weren't of the same color. We weren't of the same background. So the teacher called both of our parents. And even into my adult years, my parents and extended family would still tease me about that, right? So fast forward, you know, I have, mm-hmm. I'm engaged to a black gentleman now. Um, one of my sisters has interracial children. You know, that was not something that was accepted when we were growing up. But as adults, we have to make different decisions. We have to make different choices. And I really do believe that mixed families, interracial relationships help to heal the hate because now we're combining cultures. We embrace each other's histories and ancestry. Uh, And I think it's a beautiful blend Mm -hmm. and it brings awareness. It brings understanding. It it brings a sense of, of community that you don't typically see if we're divided. And I think when the George Floyd incident happened and you saw people taking to the streets and the masses were confused because it was white people, my sons and I completely understood. You know, they still have stepbrothers from a different marriage that are, are interracial, right? They completely got it. And one of my sons says, what do you expect? Our generation is, was born on Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. You have all of these underdog stories where people go to the streets, where people rise up, where people retaliate because they're not going to handle that, mm-hmm. that indiscretion lying down. And then now that we have these blended and interracial families, those white people that went to the streets, they were fighting for their brothers, their sisters, their children, their spouses. And I'm sorry that I'm getting a little emotional, but I've done several podcasts on this too, and I do. I get really, really fired up about this. People get involved when it becomes personal. If you are fighting my sons, I'm going to fight back. If you are fighting the people that I love, I'm going to fight back. And I think previously, there wasn't enough skin in the game, so to speak. People were detached. That was the them versus us mentality. And that is over. Even though there is still an us versus them, it's really about the 1% versus the 99. So we have to change the narrative. You know, if we're at the bottom, we're all at the bottom together. Somebody put us here. If we're going to get out of this, we got to fight the powers that be together and not each other. And systemically, especially through um, media, that has always been the case. The divide has happened because, like you said, it's our environment. It's what we digest. If I'm watching something on social media or the politicians are saying X, Y, and Z, then I've got to believe it. And before we were, we were a very compliant America. We were very compliant. We were willing to bend over and take it as long as you told us to. That is over. We're done with that. That was, that was toxic. That was narcissistic. Um, 
And we're, we're done with that. We're done with that mentality. So it's not your fight, Michael. It's not your fight. It is our fight. Now, everyone has a choice. Like you said, they got a choice whether they're going to participate or not. But I really do believe that that old mentality is on its way to extinction. And the dinosaurs are going to die out. And now we have this new generation who does believe in equality, who is willing to fight. And they are important to us. The most important and most substantial warriors that I have in my army are my four sons because they were raised to believe it is their responsibility to stand up for the underdog. You know, go into a fight. That's fine. Split it up, but don't go alone. Stand up to the bullies. Say, say what needs to be said. Don't look the other way. Because the only way that things change is if we do get involved. So I'm, I'm done. I'm stepping down off the high horse. Um, but I did just want to mention that this is a group effort. Like, we need everybody in on this. And I didn't start this. I'm no longer in Topeka. So I'm going to pass the torch, and I'm going to challenge all of my classmates, everyone that is Seaman High School alumni, and all of the business owners and other organizations that are in the Topeka area to get involved. Um, OmniCircleGroup.org is the website. Uh, you, can, you can reach out to Michael through social media as well. I know that he's on Facebook. That's how he and I found each other. So get on there, find him, link with him, ask him, what can I do for you? How can I help your organization? And he will tell you. And if he doesn't know right away, I'm sure he'll think of something. We have plenty. <laughs> there's, there's plenty of work to be done. <laughs> uh, oh, I know, right? There's, there's never a shortage of work that needs to be done. Um, we covered quite a bit. What am I missing? Is there anything else about the organization that we need to cover? I mean, like I said, the bigger, the bigger scheme of it all is that we want to create, which is kind of the pathways that we're on right now um, in this city is, you know, with the momentum um, is to create equity for all people. And that's the goal. And I feel like as we talk about creating, you know, really successful communities or cities or towns or whatever you want to call them, um, cities and, you know, cities thrive when all people thrive, you know, when everybody has an opportunity to take advantage of the resources and the opportunities that come about and everybody can live a happy and, you know, well, a well-rounded life, a balanced life of work and play. Um, so we want to be able to make sure that people have those opportunities to succeed, you know, and then people are opening the door for people to be able to gain resources to succeed. So, um, like you said, getting people to get involved, um, you know, whether that may be an educational opportunity, that may be funding, that may be contributions, that may be volunteering. There is so much to be done in our community, and when we take responsibility for helping people get to where they need to be, um, we're going to be better as a community. And that's a big part of what we want to be able to do as we talk about our, our circle of change. 
It's breaking generational cycles, not just in families, but also in communities. Um, We have cycles that we continue to perpetuate over and over again, but something has to change if we want to be different. And hopefully, you know, OmniCircle can be the bridge for that, that difference. We want to be able to create one of the most diverse communities um, or organizations um, in the city, um, a place where all people can gather, a place where all people can work together and treat and respect each other um, and feel welcome in the spaces as, as well. But also, as we always say, we want people to definitely understand that we are a organization focused on improving African-American communities. Because um, when you look at statistics of this community, um, African-Americans are the community that struggles a lot. We know, we see it on TV, we see it in the news, we see it all over. Um, we see it in the statistics of education. We have to do better. And in order for us to do better, um, we need the resources, we need the opportunities to grow, um, and we need the investment into something like what we're building in Omni Circle in order to get that done. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much what I would say as far as what this organization is, is doing. And I'll just say really quick, too, you were you were talking about fighting. And, you know, on my wall behind me, I have maybe eight or so, you know, the wall goes up. But there's uh, these historical um, heroes, right, in our community that have fought and gave their life to to this. And I feel like for what we're doing, um, we're just following in the footsteps and continuing the journey. You know, when we think about Martin Luther King and what he did, it wasn't just black people. You know, that was a people's campaign, right? Um, Even though the focus was to create a space where all people can be treated fairly. Um, When you look at the Black Panther Party, when people say, well, it was a Black Panther Party. But when you look at the people that gathered, it was a little bit of everybody, right? Um, but the focus was just trying to create a space where everybody right. could be in the same space together and have the opportunity to thrive. And I believe all of these figures on the wall that I have here was in that same mindset. It's not that it's an overthrow or anything of that nature. We want to see fair and equal opportunity for people. And that's what this organization is built on. It's creating those spaces right. where it's fair opportunity for all, but also building relationships with people and getting back to what personally what I believe that we were here designed to be and to treat everybody fairly and, and, and be in a space where we all can enjoy it. So um, I hope that resonates with somebody because right. they think about what we're doing in this organization because a lot of times people tag us as just a black organization and we're not. Uh, but we definitely focus on building black communities and hopefully through what we build, we can help all communities of, of color um, to get to a place where people can enjoy the things that all people are enjoying in this city. Absolutely. And I did want to mention something, too. Um, there, Throughout history, and this is something that's not usually documented or talked about, but there have been cooperations and coalitions and groups of white people and African-American fighting together, mostly behind the scenes, to make sure that injustices are fought. Um, Harriet Tubman is one of my favorite, all-time favorite people in history. Um, And I used to say it's because we were about the same height, a little bit of a size joke there. Mm -hmm. But the truth of it is, is that she she sacrificed her own safety and her own health um, with that, that head injury that she obtained 
to save people's lives. But what a lot of people don't talk about in her struggle is the hundreds of white individuals who put their own safety on the line to hide her and the people she was saving along hundreds of miles stretch to make sure that they had a place to go to get to safety. People hid them mm -hmm. in their own homes, their basements, their cellars, their mm -hmm. attics, their closets. They risked their safety and their lives because if they were caught, their houses could be burned down. They could be shot and killed. You know, that, that was something else too. And, and even more recently, it's become more public knowledge that even people right. like um, Einstein, you know, when, when hotels in his area, he's, he's not from America, right? We all know this. But when he was here, he saw that there was this disproportion, right? Hotels would not take um, African-Americans who were coming there to stay to see his lectures. He wasn't, they weren't allowed in the universities. Mm -hmm. He would invite them into his home. He would shelter them through the night. He would lecture to them throughout the night. They, he would hold personal sessions in his home just for these people. That was not an audience that he gave to everyone. So I'd like to, to encourage these people that are out there that are still like, oh, well, it's always been. No, it hasn't. It has not always been. There have been alliances. There have been um, strong trusts and strong bonds created throughout history. We don't celebrate those. We don't acknowledge mm -hmm. those because those are the unwritten parts of history that the people in power want us to forget. They want us to mm -hmm. think that it's always been the struggle has always been one-sided. It's not true. So again, a little bit of soapbox, but a little bit of history though too. You know, like I, I think that a lot of people hesitate because they think it's, it's always been white against black. It's not always been that. There have been alliances. There have been truths. There have been trusts. And we cannot, cannot make progress until we can all see that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A big spark, a big spark to, to a lot of that is right here when we think about in Kansas and and someone that I I have a lot of respect for, you know, somebody, someone in John Brown. Absolutely. You know, um, and what he did to put his life on the line. Absolutely. For, you know, African-Americans. And, you know, it's a lot of times we talk about history and why history is important that we understand you know, why these things have have happened in the past and why they need to happen current days because they have changed um, the face of society, you know? Yeah. And if we continue to have people that are willing to sacrifice, um, it doesn't have to be in the essence of their life, but in sacrificing their time or their money or, you know, whatever they can give to help people, um, which is what I feel like we're here, we're designed to be here for is to help people to serve. Um, when you have people like John Brown putting their life on the line, that's, that's in, and if you don't know of John Brown, John Brown was a white man, you know, um, who, who put his life on the line for the rights of all people. So, um, and, and that sparked a lot of movement as far as creating equality in this country. So, there's there's yeah. there's importance to history, and um, we need to we need to like you said honor those people, 
um, and let those things be known instead of just putting pictures on the wall, but really expressing the history of what it really meant um, for those sacrifices. Right. And there is a famous painting of John Brown at the Capitol on the wall, like you said. Uh, John Brown was actually, a lot of people that don't believe in what he did call him a madman. He started in Kansas, and that's where the bleeding Kansas things, you know, came from. And he right. incited so many movements, um, a lot of them quite violent, unfortunately. But he didn't just end it in Kansas where he started. He went uh, to other states and stirred up some trouble. Because um, in, in here, again, he didn't necessarily have any skin in the game, right? But he saw an injustice. And his goal was to eradicate that injustice. Um, and I, I think that even though that didn't work, what happened is that it brought awareness, right? Every single one of us has a voice. Mm -hmm. That is something that we were granted by a higher power. We have a voice. And for too long in my existence, I kept that silent because I was afraid of the ramifications. And now I just don't give a shit. Um, those who are going to hate are going to hate, you know, and I'm more <laughs> more intrigued about who's going to be in my tribe. Um, you're going to speak your truth one way or the other, and I'm going to know from your example who you really are. So, you know, talk is cheap. It's always been cheap. And I, I don't believe people when they say, oh, well, I'm this way or, oh, I'm that way. Show me. Show me. If you don't have a problem with integration, show me. How are you getting involved? It's not about just a badge that you wear, you know, a badge of honor. You don't just go around and say, well, I don't have a racist bone in my body. Really? What are you doing about that? There's an obligation that goes along mm -hmm. with who you are, and people don't understand that. If you are a certain way, then you have to behave a certain way. There's, there's no way of, of faking it, especially not now. We live in the age of truth. So people are going to spot the hypocrisy from a mile away, right. and you're going to be outed. And that's why I said before that old mentality is, is a dinosaur. It's becoming endangered. It's becoming extinct. There's no place for it in the new world. Um, and, and there, there really isn't the people that are no longer going to have a seat at the table are the people who have that old mentality. Um, and as I was growing up, I didn't think we'd get to this spot. Honestly, Michael, I didn't think we'd get to this spot where we can have some of the dialogue we're having now and see some of the changes we're having now. And yes, on the broader scale, scale, it's, it's small. I get that totally small. There's so much work to be done. But there has to be acknowledgement that there is still progress happening. Right. We've come a long way from the time of John Brown. So kudos to him and all of the pioneers who got this started mm -hmm. because what they did is they created an awareness. And now we have a dialogue from history, right? We can pull up a historical record and we can start talking about that record and how it relates to the present and what still needs to be changed. All right. You can tell I'm a little bit fired up. Um, thank you again for coming on the podcast. I appreciate this. It has been very eye-opening. Um, and I'm going to sleep really, really good tonight knowing that there are people like you, Michael, and people in the Omni Circle group 
that aren't just in Topeka, Kansas, but these types of organizations are opening up all over the world because not only is there a need, but people are tired. They're so tired of not being heard, of not being seen, of just settling mm -hmm. for scraps. So I, I applaud all of them. I do my part. I am uh, providing the platform so we can, we can have discussions like this. And I, I think that's probably one of the highest goods that I can do um, to bring awareness to groups like yours and to invite people to come and to be active and to support in any way that they can. Uh, any last thoughts or comments before we close? I know I kind of went off there. So, <laughs> no, I think that that's what we need is the passion. Um, we need people to be passionate about change. Um, we need to understand that, you know, as we talk about building change, that it is collaboration over competition. Um, everybody has something to add to this community. Um, and as we work together to build it, um, that's what we really, you know, when we come together to, to create what we want to be able to see in this community. So I'm, I'm excited. Um, like you said, I just, I just would encourage people to get involved. Um, and it could be in a number of different ways, but, you know, I would like to see a city where, you know, Topeka, we tell people all the time, Topeka is not that big of a city. We're all only separated by one degree. Everybody knows somebody in this community. Um, but it's going to look very different when we not just know one one person. We have five or six people that we know, you know, the, of the same. And that's going to make this community look a lot different. And when we get into really it being a diverse community where everybody is, um, you know, what I'm saying it has the fair opportunity to to enjoy the fruits of their labor, you know, and it's not you're just working to constantly be in survival, but we want to see people thrive. So in order to help us get there, uh, we need more engagement from this community um, as we build. We're doing as much as we can to get us there, but we'll only be able to go so far um, with so many people, but we'll be able to go a lot farther with more. So um, we're looking for people's engagement in this community. Um, like you said, um, that will be super helpful to what we're doing. Absolutely. Well, I wish you every bit of luck. Um, and if there's anything that you can think of that I can do, don't be afraid to reach out. Um, you can, you, you know how to reach me now, so that's not an issue. Uh, to everyone that's listening to the podcast, I encourage you, if you're not in Topeka, if you're not in the Kansas yeah. <laughs> area, find other organizations that are similar to what the Omni Circle Group was trying to, to do and do your part. Those that are in Topeka, especially, again, I send out a personal challenge. Get involved. Get to know Michael. Get to know his group. Find out what you can do. Collaborate. If you are a business owner, collaborate with these guys. Work on some sort of a fundraiser, something where that gets them into the public's eye. Work on a, a swap, maybe, service for service. Find out how you can benefit one another. Um, own, own your truth. Uh, it airs once a week, every week, and it is a production of humble reproductions. We also have a fitness network and an intuitive one that talks about spirituality that actually launches next week. And we are going to be releasing e-courses, um, and it's actually entitled Prosperity Academy. And it talks about all of the things you don't know that you should know that you wish you would have known earlier in life. So, 
anything that opens up the, the cranium and gives us a different experience than what we were born with or grew up in, that's what, what we're talking about in, in that academy. So I welcome all of you to check out the website again, humblebree.com, the word humble, then B-R-E.com. It has all of the shows on there, the times, where to find them. Own Your Truth is now in 24 countries, I believe. This is our second year, and we are on nine or ten different platforms. I've lost track. If you or someone else that you know uh, would like a spot on Own Your Truth, you can email me at humblebree at gmail.com, and we'll set up our little interview and have a one-to-one before we decide. Um, And thank you all so much, and until next time own your truth.